it's my pleasure to welcome my regular Monday afternoon guest. Chris Carey kindly volunteers his time each week to select and research our classic picks of the week, bringing in those research findings and sharing them with them, sharing them with us here on the show this week. They Might Be Giants, an album that came out 30 years ago. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, so this week we're looking at Flood by They Might Be Giants. It actually came out January 15th, uh, 1990, which is happened to be the same date that the Sundays that we looked at a few weeks ago. Oh, out. wow. They came out on the exact same dates. So They Might Be Giants, uh, this was their third studio release and their major label debut they Might Be Giants is is uh, one of those bands that there's basically two main guys in the band. They started off just as a duo, uh, John Flansborough and John Linnell. They, they've actually, they've been friends since high school. They went to high school together in Lincoln, Massachusetts, and then they went, they went away on their separate uh, ways for college and then came back right after they graduated college, moved into the same apartment building in Brooklyn and started a band. They initially called their band briefly El Grupo de Rock and Roll, and then they, I, I think that only happened for a couple of uh, a couple of shows, <laughs> and then they changed their name to They Might Be Giants, which was uh, based on the film of the same name that had George C. Scott and Jane Woodward in it that came out in '71, which in turn was in, was based on Don Quixote and and his ah, reference. Oh, I never knew. I'm and, glad. I'm yeah. glad I didn't have to ask you that question because I've yeah. always been curious. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. it was a Don Quixote quote to Pancho about windmills, how they might be giants. Ah. They might be evil giants. And so anyway, so early on they they uh, they established their quirky kind of almost even absurdist style. Uh, it's always they've always had like surreal, humorous lyrics and uh, and weird instrumentation. I mean, Flansborough plays guitar, but Linnell's main instrument is an accordion. And so, you know, outside of polka and 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 maybe Norteño music, you don't get a lot of accordion, especially in right. indie rock. Not usually the go-to ingredients yeah. for starting a rock band. But so yeah, so they started off pretty pretty early, and they did. They got signed to Bar None, and they put out their first two albums. Actually, their second album, Lincoln, is named after their hometown, and they got quite a bit of traction on on college radio throughout the country. Enough so that Electra saw them and was really excited about them and signed them and and agreed to give them pretty much full creative control. That's maybe a little bit more heard of in 1990, but not a lot. And uh, when they didn't get a huge budget though so the, when they went into the studio in 1989 they went into skyline studios which was a small new york studio most of the album was produced by them but they did hire uh alan uh winstanley and, and clive langer to to work on four songs on the album those four, four songs were some of the biggest ones bird us in your soul racist friend we want to rock in istanbul and Basically, they spent two-thirds of the budget on those four songs. So the rest of the album, which has a lot of other great tracks, they did kind of on a shoestring. When it came out, it was mostly positive reviews in the U.S. and in the U.K. There were a few people that I think... Didn't get, the, didn't get were, it. ...were put off a little bit by the the uh, flagrant nerdyism that, that went on <laughs> on the album. But I, honestly, I think that that nerdy geekiness to the record is... And to the band in general, I think it's what's endeared them to so many of their fans. They they did, you know, some people said, okay, they're trying to be like the Talking Heads or Zappa, but they didn't get it. But for the most part, most of the most of the critics uh, thought it was it was a pretty cool record. And they also would note on how stylistically diverse the album was. And they, you know, and 
And, you know, they might be giants that have always kind of been all over the place, uh, you know. And, and uh, it's funny because a lot of their albums, you know, a lot, of, a lot of songs they do are actually kind of polkas, to, basically, which is kind of cool. Commercially, for a small indie band, it did really well. I mean, they, they, it did, they, the album peaked 75 on the Billboard 200 and spent 22 weeks on the charts. And Birdhouse and Your Soul actually made it to number three on the Billboard Modern Rock Singles chart. They also, this was the first, their first and only album that ever sold a million copies. So it's their only platinum record. And like I said, it's not only, and not only is it kind of considered their, their best selling album of all time, I think most people kind of call this, you know, their, their definitive album, their iconic album. And they've, they've had a lot of other good albums out there. Uh, but this one is kind of what people think of when they think of They Might Be Giants. And I know that they're actually, they're touring some this year. Uh, I, they've got some dates on the East Coast already that where they're playing the album in, their, in its entirety, oh, which, wow. is, which is pretty cool. Another cool thing about They Might Be Giants is this might be the first band that we've ever featured in here that has, have actually released a, a children's albums. They've released three children's albums. Um, here come the ABCs, here come the one, two, threes, and here come science. And all three of those albums have gone, have, have went gold. They All three of them sold 500,000 copies. So after... After Flood, I think three of their most successful records are were all children's albums. Well, it's interesting sort of talking about their their embrace of nerdiness and, and sweetness and all that. Obviously, that translates nicely to a playful thing like a children's album. But I also think it's one of those things that strengthens some of their other work in another subversive way. Like, I know that you've got um, the track, Your Racist Friend. We're going to play that on Thursday. And that's a really powerful powerful song and it's yeah. almost that much more like whoa because of their delivery you know what i mean that it's that's this kind of well yeah and know. and i think that that song in particular which it it, it can be it is kind of timely now but i mean i think a lot of people have been there when you're right. at a party or at a social yeah. gathering and somebody like, says something that you're like no that, yeah. that later on you wish you would have said something right you know maybe i know it's happened to me where i'm i've heard something that was so shocking that i didn't say anything and later on i was like god i should have said something yeah and so i like that song for that, that song reason. says it that's yeah. it for you yeah. yeah no it's it's a fantastic song the whole album is great yeah it's great also i thought another cool thing was is i think this is the first band we've ever looked at that won a that got it i think yeah they they were nominated for a tony they did the soundtrack the score for uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical, which, was, which I thought was pretty cool. Because yeah, as, of course, as cartoons go, that's a pretty <laughs> good one. Yeah, um, and it, in all, they've released 22 albums and have sold five million records overall. So for an indie band, they're pretty big. I'm talking with Chris Carey about They Meet Might Be Giants album Flood came out on January 15th, 1990. Anything else to add before we get into your first selection? Well, yeah, I, you know, sometimes I, I, there's so many kind of big songs on this record, and, th and the one we're going to play today is one of their biggest, but I've always loved it, Istanbul, not Constantinople, which is a cover. It was originally performed, I think it's the only cover on this album, it was orig orig originally performed by the Four Lads in 1953. And Istanbul, for those of you who aren't familiar, is the capital of Turkey. And when it was Constantinople, it was, it was capital of the Ottoman Empire. Istanbul's huge, by the way. It's like Mexico City big. It's over 10 million people. It's huge. It was renamed, officially renamed uh, Istanbul in 1930, so just seven years after the fall of the Ottoman Empire, 
which was from 1299 to 1922. So that's honestly one of the longest living empires in the history of the world was the Ottoman Empire. Uh, of course, Constantinople was named for, for the uh, Roman Emperor Constantine. Leave it, leave it to Chris Carey yeah. to weave in a uh, geopolitical history lesson yeah, well, as yeah. well. I I, well, this is that. a geek record, so I yeah. should, I should no, be geeky. No, bring your geek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job. <True. laughs> All right. Thanks so much. We're going to hear from They Might Be Giants from the album Flood Istanbul, not Constantinople. Or, no, I just said it wrong. What is it? Istanbul, not Constantinople. Constantinople. And and, why did Constantinople get the works? It's nobody's business but the Turks. (laughs) 